Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. And welcome to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9 High FM. It's great to be with you all here today on this wonderful afternoon. And I'm a flying. Could you believe it? Our shoes are reopening. We've got next week. So this should be our final week of not being in Schultz. You hear the Torah portion read. It is a fascinating Torah portion. And I would like to share with you some of the insights and aspects of the portion this week as you should seize every moment and opportunity you have to review, to learn, to find insight for yourself, for your family on the Torah portion of this week, especially tomorrow night where load shedding is scheduled. So it's probably worthwhile to prepare something in advance and make sure you're able to share the light of the Parsha. So the portion this week is Re'e. What does Re'e mean? It means to see. Moshe Rabbeinu, the leader of the people, is saying to the people of Israel, saying, I place before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing that will come when we fulfill God's commandments and the curse if we abandon them. And he says these should be proclaimed on the two mountains, Mount Grizim and Mount Eval, when the people are crossing over into the land of Israel, into the Holy Land. Just a quick overview of the Parsha. We talk it, the instruction of building a temple in the place that Hashem will choose, where the people should bring their sacrifices, and we are told that it's forbidden to offer any sacrifices, to bring any karbanas in any other place. And though it is permitted to slaughter animals elsewhere, not as a sacrifice, but to eat the meat. But we are warned the blood, which in the temple was poured on the mezbeach, on the altar. We are instructed not to eat the blood. Further instruction, a false prophet or anyone who entices others to worship idols should be put to death. An idolatrous city must be destroyed. And the identifying signs of kosher animals, which we've previously discussed, such as fish and the list of non-kosher birds, which was first given to us in Vayikra and Leviticus, is repeated here. But after all, that's the meaning of the word Deuteronomy. It means repetition. And here is where we have the repetition of these laws. We're reminded of them in this week's portion. Other important messages are, for example, a tenth of all produce is to be eaten in Jerusalem, or you have another option, you can exchange it for money and eat the food purchased in Jerusalem. In certain years, there was a different tie that was called Meiser Ani, where it was given to the poor instead. And this is something I want to talk about today, because the devastation of COVID-19 on the community at large has been immense, financially, emotionally, psychologically, in so many ways. So let's just quickly recap the rest of the Parsha, and then we'll talk about the message and lesson about how to give. Not everyone is in a position to give charity. And that's what I want to talk about. What can you do if you're not in that position personally to give? So we'll get to that in a moment. We talk also about the firstborn cattle and sheep that to be offered in the temple, and the meat would be eaten, consumed by the Kohanim. And then once again, we look at the mitzvah of charity. So this week's parsha is filled with this obligation that we have to help a fellow person in need, whether it's with a gift, with a loan, whatever it is. We read also about the sabbatical year, the Shemitah year. It's every seventh year, this coming year after Rosh Hashanah, begins a new Shemitah year. We have to know about it. 
yes, the Torah tells us the laws about loans being forgiven and servants who are freed, but more another important aspect of the Shemitah year again is the Torah's guarantee that we read here about not to worry about parting with your hard-earned guilt. And the parsha concludes with the laws of the Shalash Regalim, the three pilgrimage festivals, which are Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot, when all Jews should go and see and be seen. That's what the Torah says. To go to see and to be seen before God in the temple. So it's not just about going. The idea is to be present, to be seen, to be noticed. Very, very important of the mitzvahs in this week's parsha. Now, what I would like to talk about today is the mitzvah of tzedakah. And it's not enough to just give. And every person gives what they can give, what you can afford to give. And I therefore want to take the opportunity to share with you a little bit about what we do here at Chabad House with our seniors program. Because since COVID-19 hit and all of a sudden we had to reinvent ourselves, we had to think, what do we do now? How do we service the elderly in the community as we used to before COVID-19? Our bus mitzvah would fetch seniors every day, collect them, bring them to Chabad House. Those who were able to came independently. And we had all types of events and programs and shiurim and lectures. And we had outings and we had iPad training, tech tutors. There was a lot going on that we offered here. And now all of a sudden, we're in pandemic mode. What do we do? Well, it was before Pesach. So the first thing we did, we started off with distributing matzahs. And then we got on the phone and started calling all of the seniors who used to come and just check to see how they're doing, if they're okay, what's happening. And then we took it a step further. As Pesach was coming and we knew that many of these people used to come to Chabad House depending on us for their daily meals, what do we do? How do we provide for them when it is dangerous to get together? So that's when we came up with our food distribution system and our wellness checks. And this is something that we do here at Chabad every single day and something that you could be part of, you could participate in charity in an unbelievable way. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back to Soul to Soul. I'm Rabbi Ari Kievman, and today we're talking about the portion of Re'e, this week's portion. But more specifically, I would like to look at and highlight a particular aspect and element of the portion this week, and that is the idea of tzedakah. Not everyone is in a position to give. Not everyone can give. So let's first explore the mitzvah itself, as it is in the Parsha. And then I would like to share with you a little bit more about what we've done here at Chabad, because we have had to reinvent the way we do things. And I think that it has really played a tremendous role and benefited us and so many others who depended on us. So here is the idea. There is really no overstating the importance of tzedakah. In fact, you know, many people translate the word tzedakah as charity, but the truth is that is a very poor translation of the word. The literal translation of tzedakah is righteousness, justice. Now, it's very important that we not veer too far off of the literal translation of the word, because if you compare the word tzedakah and charity, there's a major contradistinction which goes on. Charity is all about, look at me, I'm giving, I'm kind, I'm, I mean, not necessarily look at me, but it suggests that 
you're giving for you're, you're you're giving you're kind you're generous, whereas tzedakah suggests that giving is the correct thing to do. Whereas the word tzedek means righteous justice. So it's the idea that God endowed me with this money in order for me to help somebody else. So the money which was intended for the person in need actually has come into my possession in order for me to assist the other. And that's why tzedakah is the right thing to do. Tzedek, it's the appropriate thing to do, to help, to assist, to be there for another. Now, there are many, many, many references to this within Torah law. We're told it's one of the pillars holding up the entire world. It is a central and celebrated theme of Jewish life. The concept of tzedakah is repeated throughout the Torah. You'll look throughout the Chamisha Chumshet Torah, the five books of Moses, and you'll see it so many times. Starting with the very first Jew with Avram Avinu. He and his wife Sarah, they were hospitable, they were generous, they were kind, they welcomed all the guests into their homes. All these charitable qualities shows us how integral tzedakah is in Judaism from the get-go, in the very beginning. But in the Torah portion this week, we have one of the important actual instructions for tzedakah. The very specific obligation to give money to the poor. The mitzvah of tzedakah is actually given to the Jewish people in the context of a different commandment. Even though we have tzedakah, as I mentioned, appearing in the Parsha, but within the laws of Shemitah, of the sabbatical year, next year is a sabbatical year, we're told that every seventh year, the land of Israel, God gives the instruction to give the earth a break, a sabbatical. Let your field life battle. This means no harvesting, no producing crops, no working the field, nothing. <clears throat> nothing that would generate some benefit or profit for its owner. Now, obviously, some people have come up with types of shtick, with loopholes, with ways of selling it to a Gentile for the year and things like that. But the fields for the year of Shemitah, halachically speaking, are considered ownerless, and any produce found in the field is available for anyone. You can walk into a field in Israel next year and make sure you're doing so legally and enjoy a nice fruit. Everyone's allowed to. But you can't buy the fruit of Israel. Here's where religious Jews become not, God forbid, BDS supporters, never ever, but where in a sense, Jews are the ones boycotting the produce of Israel. We can't buy the produce of Israel. There are other laws related to the produce of Israel that I'm not going to discuss today as well, but this is one of them. The laws of Shemitah, any any fruit that's produced in the seventh year cannot be sold, cannot be profited from. Now, it's only natural that in this no-profit year, any landowners, any farmers, uh, anyone who works in agriculture in Israel is going to feel a little bit concerned about their finances. If it's going to be a lean year, they might want to tighten their belts a little bit, cut the fat, scale back on some of the regular expenditures. Maybe someone's thinking that uh, perhaps they should be a little less generous than they were for the previous years. Maybe they'll give less tzedakah, less charity, because they can't afford to. They're not going to have the funds. It's a year that their field's not going to be producing. So directly addressing this concern, in this week's Parsha, God promises that if you're going to keep the mitzvah of Shemitah, 
it's not going to cause you any financial loss. Quite the contrary. Look at chapter 15 this week. Read verses 7 through 9. And the verse, I'll read it to you aloud. The Torah says, if there's going to be among you a needy person, any of your brothers in one of your cities, in your land that Hashem has given you, you should not harden your heart. You should not close your hand from your needy brother. Rather, says the Torah, what should you do? You should open your hand to him. And you should lend him sufficient for his needs, which he's lacking. What's interesting is that the Torah is telling you to lend. Obviously, when somebody needs to eat, give them food for, but remember that expression they say, give somebody fish for the day. Give, give somebody fish and they'll have food for the day. Give them, teach them how to fish and they'll have food for life. That is something the Torah is telling us. When you lend someone, when you give them, you help them up on, on their own two feet. I'll get to that in a moment. Maimonides, eight levels of charity giving. Then actually at the highest level of charity is to help somebody to be financially independent. That they don't have to rely on you. These are tough times and I think a lot of people have learned that. That it becomes very difficult when we, who's to expect a pandemic? And one who relies on others, all of a sudden we're unable to support our families. So the Torah is telling us, if you're going to feel in your heart saying, oh, it's the Shemitah year, what am I going to do? I won't be able to help somebody else. So the Torah tells you, uh-uh. The Torah is telling us very clearly, you have to help the other person out. And the Torah says, in fact, the blessing will be is that the year before will produce enough for three years. Why for three years? Because the sixth year, this year, has to produce for next year. But because next year is not able to produce for the following year, then this year is going to produce technically for three years. And it's a blessing that God promises us. So from these verses, we derive the mitzvah of tzedakah. And it's a, it's a two-pronged mitzvah. Anyone who's studying Maimonides, a lot of groups these days studying the laws of Rambam, you know that every there's a positive angle to mitzvah. Some mitzvahs are positive commandments. Some are negative. Thou shalt not. Here you have a two-pronged mitzvah. On the one hand, there's a positive commandment to give charity. And at the same time, we have a negative commandment against not doing so. So while the importance of tzedakah is, you have it throughout the Torah. There's many sources throughout Tanakh and in Talmudic literature. There's there's so much. And I don't need to go through all of it here, but there's there's so many sources. If you look at the Gemara Rosh Hashanah, fascinatingly, it talks about four things that could cancel a person's bad fate. And what are they? Says the Gemara, tzedakah, tzedakah, shine Hashem, shine Maisa. Tzedakah is charity, tzedakah is supplication, crying out to Hashem. Shino Hashem, something we do is changing somebody's name, adding a name like Chaim or Baruch, which, which, brings, which means life or blessing, or there's other names to a person that will hopefully give them extra mazel and changing one's conduct. And the Gemara tells us, tzedakah, tatzil memavis, it's actually a verse that charity delivers, could help us from rescue a person from death. In the Gemara Baba Basra, Tractate there talks about Rabbi Yeshua Ben Levi says anyone who gives charity regularly, habitually, is where it is called Haragilasa Tzedakah, a person who habituates themselves to giving tzedakah. will merit to have wise, wealthy, and uh, children 
wise, wealthy children who are versed in the Talmudic literature in Haggadah. And there's um, further there, the same Gemara, it says that Sadaka is so great, it brings Mekarebes HaSagu'ula, it brings redemption to the world. So there's so many references and sources about how great charity is. And as you go through the various commentaries, the works of Jewish philosophers, of ethical writings, teachings of Kabbalah and Hasidus and Musar, you discover the value of tzedakah and its potency. There are so many stories from over the centuries that that tell us about how special charity is. And indeed, the Gemara tells us, Rabbi Yehuda Haya Mechabed Ashirim, Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, the compiler, the author, the redactor of the Mishnah, he would honor the wealthy. I don't think he just gave honor to just ordinary, wealthy, stingy people. It was a matter of celebrating those who are generous, those who are kind-hearted, those who are benevolent and philanthropic throughout our history, who support our institutions, who support the poor. People wonder, do they have to give to their shul? Is it, is it any? Is it as important as giving to the poor? You don't want your rabbi to be poor. And if the shul doesn't have funds to keep the lights on and to keep its expenses covered, then you might have a poor rabbi added to the poor people's list. So it's important to pay for your shul expenses and our organizations that are all doing wonderful work. As I told you here at Chabad, a lot about what we do and we appreciate your support because we cannot do it without you. And of course, it qualifies for Section 18A because you are helping us. The program that I personally am involved with is seeing 200 senior citizens getting Shabbos food parcels every week. And I would like to say if anyone needs a Shabbos food parcel, if I only take care of the elderly. There are other great organizations such as Yad Aron and the Chev who take care of others. If you know of a senior citizen who needs a Shabbos meal or who needs a wellness check, a phone call that we could call them and see how they're doing, please let me know. You could also call the Chai FM helpline and they'll let me know. But please get that information to me. It's not hard to get my phone number, my email address, and let me know. And we'll make sure that no Jewish senior in Johannesburg is left alone. Now, of course, those who are being looked after by the Chev, thank God, are being taken care of. We're focusing on, in addition to those who participate sometimes in our daily Zoom sessions or wellness calls, but we're trying to focus more on seniors who are not living in Chev Kaddisha institutions. So people who are living in other retirement places or independently living in their own homes, that we could know how to care for them, what we could do for them. And I got to say, it's not just about bringing food. Our volunteers interact and check and see and ask them how they're doing. And when one person said they were cold, we got them a heater. When another person said they needed more clothes, we got them more clothes. We got a volunteer who was able to shop for them. So our volunteers are very helpful in that way, and that's what's important about this program. When it comes to various mitzvahs, we are told that there's an idea called kavana. In fact, prayer has to have kavana. Kavana is the feeling, the intention, the the uh, I'm lacking the right word for it, but the intention, that's kavana, that it's meaningful. You're not just randomly rattling off words, that it's not just a lip service. So our sages tell us, which means prayer without thoughtfulness, without mindfulness, without the kavana. It's like a body without a soul. So many mitzvahs require that kavana. What about tzedakah? Does tzedakah require kavana? Do you have to have that feeling, that mindfulness, that intention when you're giving tzedakah. 
So when it comes to, like I said, certain mitzvahs, that you need to have that feeling, that intention, that consciousness and understanding. Many such mitzvahs, such as prayer. Here's a good one. Last night, we at Chabad House offered a wonderful webinar to the community. And if you're not on our Chabad House webinar list, you should join it. We get to be part of live sessions every single day, morning, afternoon, and evening. We have multiple sessions where you could participate. And last night, we had Rabbi Shaw of the Santon Show, Rabbi Wagner of the Lubavitch Yeshiva, and Rabbi Weinberg, who is the dean of the Machal Nahara'a and the Rosh Kolel at Mizrahi, who each spoke about the mitzvah of Shofar. Rosh Hashanah is coming. It's just a few weeks away. And next week is Rosh Chodesh Elul when we begin blowing the Shofar. What do you do if you're not in Shul? There are many people, many more people who won't be in Shul this year. So you could watch the video on our YouTube channel or go on to our Chabad South Africa Facebook page and you could actually watch the video and it's worthwhile to know and understand the laws of Shofar. And as I said, many mitzvahs are you performed. And it's important that you have the kavana, that you're alive, that you're part of it, that you have the feeling. And so here, shofar is a perfect example that was discussed last night of such a mitzvah that requires that kavana. So let's just think about it. Let's say, now, throughout the month of Elul, it's not a mitzvah, it's a custom, it's a awakening our soul. There are many reasons why we blow the shofar. And Rabbi Wagner last night told a personal story of his own about blowing the shofar that awakened the soul of a driver of a Jew, not on Rosh Hashanah during the month of Elul, and it is important to blow them. But the mitzvah to blow shofar is on Rosh Hashanah. Let's say you wake up early Rosh Hashanah morning, and you decide you want to uh, hone your skills, you want to practice a little bit, you grab the shofar and you start trumpeting away. Now, if you happen to blow all the right notes for the appropriate length of time, and in the perfect order, you were practicing, right? Did you fulfill the mitzvah of shofar? And actually, it says in Shulchan Aruch, the code of Jewish law, that you did not. Why? Because even though you blew the shofar precisely the same way that it's blown in shul, or the way you would blow it for others, but you did not have the intention of blowing shofar. You had the intention of practicing shofar. Because you lacked that kavana, the intention, therefore, you have to blow again or have someone else blow it for you. And the same goes for anyone who was listening to your practice run. Even if while listening, they intended to fulfill the mitzvah of hearing the shofar. It still doesn't count. Because they must hear the proper sounds of the shofar, sounded with the kavanah, with the intention of fulfilling the mitzvah. If there's no intention, the act itself is deficient. And those shofar blasts, as nice as they were, was nothing more than noise. You were practicing and this is discussed in detail in halacha. And that's the principle known as mitzvahs, tzrichos, kavana. Commandments require the intention, the feeling, the meaning, knowing that you're doing it conscientiously for the purpose of the mitzvah. Now, not all mitzvahs are like that. There are many mitzvahs that don't have that. For example, if a person um, ate matzah without having the kavana of it, right? Or even by accident, they fulfilled the mitzvah. They fulfill the mitzvah of eating matzah and Pesach. So, what about charity? What about tzedakah? Do you need to have kavana to give tzedakah? Now, if you look at the parsha this week, we have some information about this mitzvah. But let's examine it a little bit. I'm going to get a little bit technical here. Maimonides tells us, Kalanoi saint staka la'ani b'sefer panim ra'os upanav kvushos b'karka. 
Which means, that wasn't Zulu, it was Hebrew. Whenever a person gives tzedakah to a person, to a recipient, to a poor person, but you don't, but you have an unpleasant face, or your face is buried in the earth, and you lose and destroy the merit, even if you gave a thousand coins. So here's the question we'll discuss when we come right back. Do you have to have honor when you give tzedakah? Do you have to have that intention in mind? And we will discuss that just now when we're back. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Salta Salam Rabbi Eric Kivan. And today we're talking about the Torah portion of the secret A. And we are examining the mitzvah of tzedakah. And the question is, Maimonides tells us, if you gave tzedakah with a sour face, not looking good then actually it would seem, based on what he says, that you didn't fulfill your mitzvah. It just, and well, he doesn't say you didn't fulfill the mitzvah, but to quote his words, he says, destroys the merit. And I say that because we ask the question if intention of kavanah is important with tzedakah. And that's something I want to discuss. Because after all, isn't the good deed itself the main thing? That you actually gave somebody money or food to eat or whatever way you helped them? And Maimonides seems to suggest that that's not enough. And that is a very important point. So the sages actually address this very question. And they resolve it by finding evidence in a different field of Jewish law. The laws of Shikha. It's a mitzvah that we're going to read in a few weeks' time. And the mitzvah basically tells us when the time comes for a farmer to harvest their field, after reaping and gathering in all their crops, it sometimes happens that some produce is left behind in the field by mistake. According to law, once forgotten, the owner cannot retrieve that produce. They have to leave it behind for the poor. And we're going to read this in the portion, and it follows along with other mitzvahs such as leket and which is the corner of the field that's left. And Hashem, in fact, says that it's an obligation to leave that behind for the poor. And the Gemara discusses that from this we learn that if a person dropped some money, somehow you're walking and you dropped some cash and somebody else picked it up and needed it and it helped them su- survive. And guess what? You fulfilled the mitzvah. Even though you didn't give it directly to the recipient. And in the case of shikha, the poor person didn't receive it directly from the farmer. The farmer didn't give it to them. But nevertheless, our sages tell us that you perform the mitzvah of charity unaware because you, practically speaking, saved that person's day. The bottom line, it was the mitzvah was done. There was once a Jew who came to the Alter Rebbe and he complained, he said, you know, I like giving charity, but not for the noble purpose of helping institutions and people, but because it makes me feel good when I'm the honoree at the dinners. It makes me feel good when there's plaques that promote my name around town saying, look at me, look at my charity. Well, the altar of said, at the end of the day, it's the mitzvah what matters. You helped somebody, the bottom line is, they had food to eat. 
they had bread on their table thanks to you. And I think it's very important at the end of the day, as much as Kavana is, it's nice to have the intention and, and of course, to give with a smile. When I was a kid, we had a nice little song, a, a preschool rhyme that had give, give to duck every day, give it with a smile. And when the pushka comes around and the shake it up and down, give, give to the with a smile. That was the song. So, Tzedakah, you want to give it with a smile. The question is, is the main thing, the deed, as we see in the story, the altar Rebbe said to this person, he should keep on giving, even if it's not altruistic, even if he has ulterior motives, that he's getting the yichus and the covered with it. But at the end of the day, he's helped people. But there are other mitzvahs which require kavana. So the question then is again, what's the story with tzedakah? Does tzedakah need kavana? Do you need to have the intention that you're giving it and for no ulterior motives? That's the question. And various commentators discuss this. One of them is the Rashba. And one of the interesting insights he tells us is, A blessing cannot be made on a mitzvah that is not dependent, that, that, that beyond your control. So for example, tzedakah. In tzedakah, you might want to give charity to somebody, but maybe they don't want to receive it. Maybe they don't want to accept it for whatever reason. So when you're giving something to a poor person, as much as you're doing the mitzvah, you don't make a bracha on it because the mitzvah is not fulfilled unless the poor recipient is actually going to take the charity. So to say a bracha with God's holy name, it's no small thing. That's why you can only recite a bracha if you know for sure, for certain, that it is warranted, that the occasion for your blessings is actually happening. And that's one of the problems of tzedakah, according to the Rashba. What happens if this person has a change of heart and decides not to take your money or to spend it on something that's not appropriate? Gosh, you know, unfortunately, some of the people collecting might be using it for drugs and other things that are, I don't know if that qualifies as a as a disqualifier. But the point is that according to the law of the, the, the Rashba tells us here that the bracha would be in vain. Because the key point is, there's nothing the donor can do about it. He can try to give the money, but after that point, it's out of his hands. Cannot guarantee that the ultimate, the, the mitzvah will actually be fulfilled. And therefore he rules, you don't make a bracha on the mitzvah, for example, of tzedakah. So what is he telling us here though, if you look at it a little bit deeper? Tzedakah is not just about giving charity. But it's about making sure that the charity is received so that the mitzvah is not fulfilled unless the receiver actually benefits from that contribution, from the donation that was made. Until then, the will and even the action of your giving tzedakah with all its goodness is not enough because it actually has to benefit the person. The mitzvah is only achieved once that poor person is actually fed. So, the problem with all this is, what did Maimonides tell us? He ruled that it isn't worth giving charity with a frown. So that's the question. Did you still fulfill your mitzvah if you gave tzedakah 
but you weren't all that enthusiastic and excited about it. And that's why I told you I'm going to share with you Maimonides eight levels of charity. Because if you look at those eight levels of charity, he tells us each one is surpassing the other. But just to summarize, the highest level of charity he tells us is where a person is putting the next person on their own two feet. So somebody has fallen onto hard, difficult times and their business isn't going well, whatever it might be. You give them a loan. You help them not just with fish for the day, but with food for life. You teach them how to fish. Whether it's giving them a loan or partnering with them in the business or even giving them money in a way that they don't become dependent on you. But you teach them that now they themselves don't need to rely on others. That's the highest level of charity. And another level is one who gives tzedakah to the poor without knowing to whom they gave and without the poor person knowing who it came from. That's a really high level of charity because when you give to, let's say, an organization and the organization now gives it on to the recipient, you don't know who received it and the recipient is not embarrassed when they see you because they have no clue that it actually came from you. We'll talk about the other six levels when we're right back. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Soul to Salam Rabbi Arakivan, and we are continuing to talk about the mitzvah of tzedakah as it is described in this week's parsha. Maimonides tells us eight levels of charity, and the highest level of charity is giving someone a loan, helping them get back on their own two feet. The next level of charity is where it is completely anonymous, where the recipient and donor don't know of each other. The next levels of charity are just different levels of anonymity in between. And the lowest level of charity says one who gives with sadness. But what's interesting is at least one gave the tzedakah. But what, what's fascinating in the discussion here is that still, even though the person gave with sadness, and you could question Maimonides because it seems contradictory, because earlier he told us that it, it loses his marriage. Yet here, Maimonides tells us that at least you gave me. The lowest level of charity is to give even if it's with a sad face, but at least you gave. The bottom line is the person has money, has something to do, is able to care for their loved ones. And here's the thing. Tzedakah, charity, is something that is best done. If you were to think of that line, how? Well, generously anonymously, altruistically, with love, with selflessness, with dignity, what would it be? And I would like to conclude today's discussion by saying it is best if it is given with dignity. Just think for a moment what the recipient feels like, that maybe they had a better time previously and now here they're begging, they're dependent on somebody else to eat. And benching, we ask Hashem not to afflict us in that way, that we should be self-sustained, that Hashem should give us with a full, open, generous hand. That we should never be shamed and disgraced to have to turn to somebody else. So imagine the feelings of a person who has to turn to somebody else for tzedakah. And regardless which level of charity is given him. And there's a frown. There's reluctance. There's, there's that lack of compassion. And that's why it's so important. Our sages tell us even more than the poor does, even more than the, the wealthy person does for the poor person, the giver for the recipient, the recipient does for the giver. And I think it's a very important and powerful point is 
the way we give. The way we're giving that tzedakah. When you give it with a smile, it, it's showing that appreciation that, yes, I have the mitzvah. I'm God's messenger to fulfill this mitzvah, to help somebody else out. And guess what? Even for a person who has nothing to give, don't have money. We've all hit hard times. You can give a smile. You can pick up the phone and give somebody some encouragement in their life. So to me, the importance of learning the mitzvah stuck as we did in this week's parsha is that when giving, the most pertinent thing is that the one who needs to pay his bills is now able to do so. The person who needed food now has it. Now, yes, the positive intention, the kavana is noble, it's wonderful. But the bottom line is, does somebody have the food? Does somebody have something that they're able to pay their bills with? But it's very important to remember the empathy, how crucial it is when giving charity. To beg is to make oneself vulnerable. And to feel their dignity is just like that hanging by a shred. That's why we have to be so careful to act with sensitivity. The gift itself doesn't need to be limited to, you know, how much funds you're able to give. But I think most importantly is how you give it. And that's the message that I wanted to share with you today is that the privilege of giving is that if we're in a position to give, we should be able to give. But most importantly, to give with grace, with joy, with a smile. And just to conclude, to let everyone know, I know how this pandemic really has impacted so many in so many ways. And when we see the elderly in our community, and I work with the elderly, and I'm in touch with so many seniors, I realize how it's impacted those, some financially and others emotionally and psychologically. Whatever way people have been affected and are overwhelmed and are lonely and disconnected. And yes, people can connect, thank God, through Zoom and through Chaya Fam and through all those events. There are so many people who are feeling isolated and in need. And it is our obligation, our duty to help them. So I implore everyone listening, take, pick up the phone, call somebody, ask them how they're doing. Join us, become a volunteer. Let me know if you want to volunteer and we will give you a few seniors to call or we'll give you a few parcels to deliver to senior citizens. But it's not about just dropping and going. It's about the care. You could also contribute. You could help us financially. You could bring food and help us continue this vital project where we are uplifting and helping the lives of so many seniors throughout Johannesburg. Thank you all for listening. The main thing is give it with a smile. My dear friends, carpe diem.